You're listening to What the Hell is Michael Jammin Talking About? I'll tell you what I'm talking about. I'm talking about creativity, I'm talking about writing, and I'm talking about reinventing yourself through the arts. Hey everyone, it's Michael Jammin. Welcome back. I have a very interesting guest for everyone today. So anyone who's listened to my podcast for any amount of time, I've always said, you know, if you want to break into Hollywood, just start doing it. Stop asking permission. Start just make account on social media and just start posting whatever it is you want to be good at. Make a dedicated account to proving how good you are at this one thing, whether it's writing, performing, music, whatever it is. And let's just see where it goes from there. Because if you can't do that, well, then Hollywood's not going to pay you to do it. You got to do it for yourself. And so my next guest is an expert in this field because not only does she does she predict, uh, predict make a living out of predicting trends about people who've done this before, but she's doing it herself in building her own presence online. And her content is absolutely, uh, is incre- it's essential. I turn to it uh, when I have questions. So please welcome Coco Moco. Thank you so much. Coco Moco, which I love your name, yeah. by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's so funny when I made my username, my real name's Colleen, but I go by Kokomoko. And when I made the name, I didn't know my account would blow up. Yeah. And so my managers were like, let's keep it though. It has a good ring to it. So. It does. Yeah. But tell me, so, okay. So I know you made, you've made a living at it doing this, but yeah. in, in the, before you started doing it for yourself, like who, who were you working for? Yes. Um. It's, it's such a great story too. Cause it was kind of like divine timing, I guess. And, um, so I studied marketing in college and then after college, I'm, my family's from the LA area. So I was super lucky to just live in LA. And, um, I started a job that I got off Craigslist and it ended up being this website called famous birthdays. I don't know if you heard of it. It's like very Gen Z young. It's kind of like Wikipedia, but at the time, Famous Birthdays was the only website really documenting like YouTubers and at the time, Musical.ly kids. And so we had a really big audience of like 12 year olds. And um, so I got hired there and my job was to run the Musical.ly, which had then turned to TikTok. So I was on the app early. And then uh, the founder of Famous Birthdays, his name's Evan. He's like, if you ever see someone on your free page that you think is going to be famous, like just invite them in and we'll interview them. And shortly after that was when, um, like I saw Charlie D'Amelio when she was really early, we invited her in and we were her first ever interview and that went super viral. And then there was a few others from that kind of era of kids. And because of the videos that I was working on at famous birthdays, um, that we're getting like, I think one of the videos with Charlie D'Amelio is at like 40 million views on YouTube mm-hmm. and cause we got in early. So, but then from there, I then got, um, hired at Buzzfeed right. and I was at Buzzfeed for like three and a half years where I was working on the back end with like strategy coming up with videos. And it was really just my job to go into meetings with different brands and creators and stuff and just tell them, what I think the upcoming trends will be, how I think platforms are shifting, mainly TikTok, and how I think that they can best create ideas that will go viral or work with people that aren't famous enough yet that they're going to decline, but are eager to come in. And so that was really where I got the start with like predicting and stuff and where I learned that I had a good eye for pattern recognition. And then I just started making my own TikToks that kind of blew up and then I quit my full-time job in June of this year 
and have been just doing full-time stuff since. And now, right. And so now you have close to like a million followers, which is huge. Thank you. Yeah. And then, so how do you, okay. So when you work for yourself, what does that mean? Yeah. So I never really thought that I would go the consultant route. It was something that kind of just happened as a result of the videos that I was making. Like I never posted my trend prediction videos or algorithm, you know, decoding kind of videos with the intention of getting hired, but I was getting so many inquiries from really big brands that wanted to just pick my brain for like an hour or so mm-hmm. um, when I was at BuzzFeed. And then I just felt like, like, I mean, it was like the different legal non-compete clauses and stuff. And so I just eventually realized that um, financially it made more sense to just take an hour meeting with a brand and mm-hmm. make what I would have made in a month. And I'm so lucky I, that you never know how long it's going to last. I'm very, very lucky. So that's kind of what the full-time thing is, is like consulting sometimes brand deals. I don't always like to do a ton of brand deals. Cause I don't want my account to just feel like one big commercial. Right. And then, um, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of music people actually reach out to me and I consult on the music side as well. So, so super but, lucky, but yeah. But are these, okay, so big brands want your opinions, but are you saying also that the creators as well want your opinions? Yeah, a lot of creators. Um, and the, I actually, that's kind of why I made the podcast that I have ahead of the curve, which um, hopefully you'll be able to come on one day when your uh-huh. book comes out. Yeah, And yes, and I do my podcast because I can't meet with everyone. And so- Um, I started doing that for a way to like reach more of the creators. Um, And, but yeah, I do have a lot of creators reach out. I just, I feel like bandwidth wise, it's hard. So I try to find ways to like reach out to people in my community that isn't always just a money exchange or a meeting and stuff. So it's, I'm still figuring it out, but I've been very lucky since I went full time with this. So when, but you must know this, but or I'm hoping you know. Like, so when a, <laughs> a musician, an actor, or whatever comedian, when they're reaching out to you or they're following you, what is it? Do you think they want? Do you think they just want to blow up on social media, or do they want to move to what I do, traditional, you know, you know, uh, Hollywood? Yeah, no, it's such a good question, and I think a lot of it when I do get like more of the bigger celebrities that have followed me every now and then I'm always like, I I don't know. I like at first I'd be like, I don't know why. Like, I don't know what, what value I'm even providing them. Um, like I remember one time Paris Hilton followed me and I was like, I was like, she is like the biggest influencer in the world. And I'm like, what could I potentially provide to someone like that through my videos? But I think a lot of it too, is just, I, when I've talked to people who have followed me, whether it's an actor or a musician or just a person who's watching TikToks and has never made one before, a lot of the times they say that they like that my videos are able to um, take something happening on the algorithm or on marketing and media, but I kind of give a bigger lens to it as well. Like I'm able to connect the dots to everyone, whether you're watching it, whether you're the one making the content and really like simplifying it and not just making, I I think a lot of when I would watch marketing videos and stuff, it would be a lot of like, uh, kind of like bro-y 
like ad talk, which that's important talk too, but I never really related to like the A to B and the met and the da -da -da -da, that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. I liked being like, this is why this person watched it. So anyways, I think that when, if it is like an actor or musician following me, um, I think some of it is just curiosity. I don't think they always have the intention of using my videos as strategy. Um, but when they do, I think it's because it, as you know, working in entertainment, it really is an attention economy. Mm -hmm. And the way that people give their attention is constantly shifting. Like you could make the best piece of work and you just never know if the attention is going to be there or not. Right. And I think them watching my videos helps maybe dissect why certain things go viral. But again, you never know, like you never really know. It's just always up in the air, but I try well, to bring sense to it. It changes. Everything changes so fast. Whatever mm -hmm. the algorithm, whatever the new trend, whatever's going on, changes fast. And I feel like you always, you seem to be on top of it. Like, how, how are you on top? Are you just watching videos all day and making lists and stuff? Like, what are you doing? Yes, I get, it's so funny. I get that question all the time. I do spend a good amount of time on TikTok. I try not to, because I think sometimes I, I believe in, there's this saying and it's um, the universe whispers. And it's essentially this idea that once you finally turn off your phone and the TV and the for you page scrolling and you just sit in silence for a little bit, that's when like the the ideas will come to you. So I do try to take moments away from my phone. But I would say for me, I do spend a lot of time on my phone and watching the algorithm, but I try to be strategic about it. And, um, I do have notes on my phone. I'm constantly writing down ideas and this sounds really woo woo, but sometimes my most viral ideas, um, actually come to me in like, if I'm sleeping or something, I think it's like this weird moment where, um, it's all the information I've received throughout the day finally like comes into me and I absorb it in a way. And then I wake up and I'll film a video that's why I always film like right first thing in the morning. And those are sometimes my most viral videos. So, yeah. Well, a couple questions for you. So right every now, uh, like, when I first got on TikTok, okay, I got a lot of followers. I'm like, but why do I have all these? Like, what's the point of followers when your reach is so low? Like, why do they give you that yes. metric? If you have four, half a million followers and on any given day, 10, 20,000 will see your, your content. Exactly. That, I mean, that happens to me and, um, I, I have an, an algorithm answer for that. And then I also have, um, something that helps me when I'm making videos, cause that happens to even the biggest creators. But one way that I still feel inspired to make content and don't get down on myself when that happens is, um, I think the creator, Chris Olson said it, he's a pretty big TikToker. And one time he said like, yeah, 300 views feels really low for like the first hour of a video being up. But imagine if you were in a lecture hall and like 300 people walked in, like mm -hmm. that would be a really exciting feeling. You'd be nervous to speak to that many people. And like, even if I get three or five comments, like the first few hours, I think, well, I just gave a lecture and that essentially is three people came up to me after and wanted to ask me more questions about it. So that's one way I try to still think that I'm adding value. And I feel like I, the biggest thing that I hear from whether it's creators, celebrities or brands is it, ha and it happens to everyone. So it's not a, it's a universal experience, especially on TikTok. They mm. always say, I feel like the algorithm hates me now. I feel like I'm shadow banned. And I agree. I think that things like that happen. 
on the algorithm, what I think happens, sometimes I wonder if TikTok like will inflate numbers every now and then where I'm like, I don't know if I actually got that many views or they just it's almost like a lottery. I think that they gamified creating content uh, in a way that almost feels like gambling where you're rewarded for doing it more and more. But then it also can be exhausting and um, disorienting. And I think one thing that I've noticed sometimes happens is that one people consume videos on their for you page and not always their following. Like I don't really know a lot of people that use the following tab to watch videos. Mm -hmm. So TikTok is so weird. Like I could follow a creator and never see one of their videos again. Right. Right. Yeah. It's just, it rewards people for finding new creators every day. But, um, one more logistical piece of advice that I've heard and that I, that I theorize, I don't know. I say it's like a tin hat theory about the algorithm, but I think that TikTok, there's a human element to it and they specifically push out certain trends or certain things happening in the news. And then when they're ready to shift to a new trend, whether it's because they have um, brands that want to promote something on their app or what or whatever it is, they will not necessarily shadow ban certain creators, but they shadow ban certain hashtags. That's just a theory I have. And what often happens when I talk to people when they're experiencing it is I'll tell them to pull back on all of their hashtags. Don't use any hashtags. And sometimes that will subsert, subvert any Like it takes a while, but yeah. So basically what I'm saying is when it does feel like the algorithm hates you, it's usually not just you. It's just that the topic that you're talking about, they feel like it no longer is relevant for whatever reason. And they're shifting to something new. And again, also at TikTok, it's always about like reinventing, even though you're like, I always talk about marketing but I feel like every three months I have to find a new way to present the same information that yes. I've been talking about. Right. So always like r- truly the best creators are the ones that are able to like reinvent themselves, even though they're still providing the same information, but finding new ways to bring it to the feed. Like if TikTok is enjoying videos that are longer than a minute, making videos that are longer than a minute. If TikTok is preferring green screen videos going into green screen. So it really is kind of this tango that you play. But, but it seems like uh, it seems like a, I'm sorry, but like a va- almost like a vanity metric that they give you, which yes. doesn't to do any like okay, so what? Why are you telling me this number for? Exactly, know? I 100% agree, and it's why like I think it's great you have your podcast, and um, I've heard you on other podcasts. Like when I was looking up things about the strike, I remember listening to you um, as a guest on podcast. And I, I, that's why I always encourage people like do not let TikTok be sorry. your number one like you do like that can be your Trojan horse. It can get you exposure and it can get you into the room that you want to be in, but it is not sustainable. TikTok is so finicky. Um, one day it'll love you the next three months. It'll hate you. So really having things outside of TikTok that your audience, I always say have a home base outside of TikTok. So like a podcast or whatever it is. So yeah, I totally rambled. I'm sorry, but (laughs) I get that question a lot. Yeah. It's a good question. It's the whole thing. I I also have a feeling after being on the app for so long that the number of serious content creators who post every day, for some reason, I feel like it's a much smaller, they won't tell you how many is, but it feels like it's a much smaller number than you might think it is. Do you feel that way? Yeah. Are you saying like, you feel like 
um, there's less people posting than you would think or. Yeah. But, but like, seriously, like every day who were like, okay, I, this is my, I'm committing to do it. Like some people are just, all right, here's a silly video of me, you know, eating ice cream and then they won't post again for another 10 months or whatever. But for yeah. the people who really trying to build a platform, I feel like that number is actually maybe lower than you think. Yeah. I, so yeah, I think what it is, is a lot of people like it's very, I, I think TikTok's really great in that it's one of the first ever apps I've seen where so many people have gone viral and reached audiences that we would have never thought of. Like I have found so many new creators on TikTok, whereas on YouTube, I'd find a new creators. I was excited about maybe once every three months. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think what it is, is like, yeah, sustaining that is so hard. I think that what happens is people often, most origin stories on TikTok are some people will go into it strategically, but the video that really blows up and puts them on the map, they never would have guessed it would have been that video or like why it was that video. They never really know. And so I think that some people just don't have, like they get excited, but they can't necessarily sustain it. And um, that's why I always think that the creators that have a slow burn are the ones who end up being the most successful in the long run. Um, I'm sure that's even something that kind of in some ways applies to like the entertainment industry. But I always think of the biggest creator in the world right now is Mr. Beast. And it took him five years to hit his first 100,000 followers. Oh, wow. But I think that like that length of time is why when he did finally get lucky, he had like the daily habits mm -hmm. and the muscle and the mental stamina to like withstand that attention, whereas some creators will have this stroke of luck and then the moment the algorithm is no longer rewarding them in a month or two, they kind of freak out and just like abandon it. Or they'll only post once every few weeks because they're ashamed that they aren't getting the numbers that they were. Mm -hmm. But it's just so normal. Like it's just the biggest creators. But like, to what end is all this? What, right, what, why? To, why is everyone doing this? Is it, I mean, I can see why you do it. You have a business now, but why yeah. is everyone else doing this? I think it's two things. I think one, TikTok made it really easy to post. The barrier to entry is very low. And on YouTube, if you really wanted to go viral on YouTube, you know, five years ago, it would have taken understanding editing to some degree, understanding how to upload certain files to your computer. I mean, those things are so hard. Like it would have taken, you know, the knowledge of figuring out how to make thumbnails and the barrier to entry was just so high for platforms like YouTube. TikTok made it really easy that anyone could go viral. Um, and I think like what, like the why, why, what's to what end? Um, I think the people that have a kind of North Star outside of TikTok are the ones that are successful, like the ones that have you know, something they're striving for. Like for me, I feel like my best videos don't come from me saying, I want to go viral today. They come from me saying something like, oh, you know, I have this like hour long interview that I did and I want to feed people to that. Let me just make a video giving them the best moment. And so I think that like the why version, like what's the bigger thing we're striving for every creator it's different but if you're if you're only striving for tiktok fame 
it's so fleeting. And like, that's never, again, I say TikTok, it's like the Trojan horse. Like it's just going to get you in the room, but it's not going to do the talking for you. It's not going to make the business deals. It just gets you in a room that you might not have been in otherwise. Right. And so what are the rooms? Do you think is, do you think it's people are trying to become actors? So they're trying to blow up and be, you know, be whatever. I, I'm, I'm goofy here now filming <laughs> your TV show. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, it could be, I, I guess everyone's different. I know, like, I think of, there's this one guy, I don't know if you saw it, I think like a year or two ago and he made videos, he made comedic videos and he made one video about wanting to be on SNL and mm-hmm. the internet like was really hard on him. And I didn't yeah, feel I like didn't it was that. fair. Yeah. yeah. I was like, okay, this is someone shooting their shot. Yeah. Like good for him. He didn't, put anyone down in the process. He didn't step on anyone. It was a video that took obviously planning and thought. And um, I think also maybe he reposted it recently and that's why it's at top of mind and it's going viral again, but now there's a positive sentiment around it. So um, I do think that, so, and to answer your question, I do think that specifically for actors, there's a Pandora's box with TikTok because it does get you in a room, but I, and I could be wrong. I feel like you probably know more about this than me, but I feel like with actors, they have to be very strategically pulled back. They don't want to reveal too much about themselves personally because mm-hmm. it could hurt them in terms of being typecast or like getting into character, I think could be harmed if people are like, oh, I remember them making a TikTok where they like, you know, failed at making iced coffee one day and it spilled all over their dog like no one will ever take them seriously so Mm -hmm. i think actors it's a little tricky it's like a pandora's box like they go viral but it's really hard for that to like be taken seriously i think by audiences sometimes but i do think some will be able to do it but is that i mean is this your theory or are you hearing this from actors you know from creators who tried to break it and are getting that feedback I mean, no, I guess it's like, for me, it really is more of a theory and just me watching, you know, I, one of the really big, um, comedic TikTokers who was on, um, TikTok for years and she doesn't do it as much anymore, but, um, her name's Brittany Broski. I don't know if you've heard of her. Um, she was pretty big. She had a few memes that went viral and she has millions of followers, but, um, I think she would make a really great like SNL cast member. I think that she's really funny and smart. Um, and I could see that in the cards for her one day. But right now she's just doing a podcast as herself and not just doing. I mean, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that like she's one of the bigger creators that I think of in terms of being an actor on TikTok and if like I don't know that we've seen someone be able to translate that to like a big role yet I think we will we just haven't seen it yet because there is this weird dynamic between the audience and mm-hmm. the actor that other influencers don't really have to worry about well there's a guy I wish I knew the name. there's there's mm-hmm. someone named nurse Blake do you have you heard of him mm-hmm. no oh, okay because he's a comedian but a nurse and oh. like he sells out venues doing I guess comedy but he's also a nurse. I'm like, I don't understand if you're selling out these giant venues. What, what What's with this other gig you got? So I, I just don't get it. I don't get any of it. Well, and you know what's funny? The thing about like that, what you just explained is really fascinating to me. And I and it's something I talked about like last year where I, I coined it, you know, the rise of the anti-influencer. But it essentially him having something like 
another job, whether that's still happening or not. I think audiences are drawn to that because they feel like there's less pressure on them. Like if the influencer doesn't succeed, it's like, well, they have another job. And so they actually are more likely to be open to the person. Um, so oddly, I think having that kind of like double life in a way lends to an audience feeling less pressure. And yeah, I, I, that did make me remember that, um, in terms of the comedic route and acting and stuff, um, there was one stand-up comedian, his name's Matt Reif. Yes. And yes. And I just yes. learned about him. So go on. Yeah. I had never yeah. heard of him until go on. Right. And I think he's one of those people where it's like Mr. Beast, where he had been trying to do the stand up comedy route for like five or seven years. And he started just posting clips from his shows on TikTok. Mm-hmm. And he went on a tour last year and he filmed a Netflix special that hasn't aired yet. But um, Forbes, he was on the Forbes top creator list. And they estimated that he had made $25 million last year. Yeah, I saw that article. I, I, I was I, floored. Yes, uh, I, I don't know like how they calculate. I don't know. Um, but if it's even just $2.5 million, yeah, that yeah, is right. cra- that's a crazy number for someone who was struggling as a stand-up comedian, began posting clips of it to TikTok and is now selling out um, yeah. venues and yeah, it's crazy. It's so. mind blowing. And it's like, yeah, it's just a platform to be, and I give him a lot of credit. I mean, he made, yeah. he made himself, he willed it, yeah. he willed it to be, but, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess, I don't know. I know you, you guys were talking, you and your podcasting party were talking about, um, and what, what's the name of your podcast, by the way, so everyone can. Oh yeah. It. So I have, um, I have my main one. It's ahead of the curve with Kokomoko. That one's my solo one where I just talk to mm-hmm. like experts like yourself and stuff. And, um, and then I have a show with my friend, his name's Nikki Reardon called share your screen where each week we dive into like whatever's happening in the news or in marketing and talk about why we think certain things are going viral. So you might, a lot of people that see the clips from my profile, it's usually the clips of me and Nikki. So I'm right. guessing that's what you're. It might've been, but yeah. you guys were talking about the late, the newest trend, which is basically people, I guess people like me sharing expertise in, in some kind of attempt to, to what? Yeah. I mean, I think like experts are what make TikTok my favorite app because it takes people who maybe didn't have time or, you know, the career background to study, like again, film theory and cameras and microphones and how to sync up audio and all these things. Um, but they're able to make really good videos because of like the TikTok editing software within the app. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of, I, I use this saying on TikTok where it's called the nicheer you go, the quicker you grow. It's a mm-hmm. saying that I came up with when I was at BuzzFeed and I would say in like every meeting. And what I meant by that is people have this misconception that in order to go viral, you have to like hit the masses. Like you have to make a cool, have a cool football moment and also tap dance and also paraglide and also tell a funny joke all in 30 seconds in the same video. Um, and I'm like, that's not really how it works. The best videos are 
very niche. And that's kind of why experts grow on the app. Like, um, like you're known as, you know, the, the writer, the Hollywood writer. And like that, what I think I was telling one of my friends that I was going on your pod and like, right when I said that they knew exactly who you were. And it's just that thing where it's like, you would rather be known for I, or another way I say it is you want to be great at one thing on social media than be average at everything. Right. And but if you're 20 yeah. years old, what are you great at? Yeah. And I think, I think that's, you know, a great question. I think that's why, and I don't think 20 year olds are people that are still, even people, you know, in their midlife or older, don't always have to like start their account and just stick to one thing. I think part Mm -hmm. of social media is exploring different parts of your identity and seeing what people to respond, respond to. Um, so I think that's why we do see a lot of the younger kids online are more lifestyle influencers because their Mm -hmm. day is, I mean, when I was, I'm 27 now, when I was between the ages of 19 and 23, I felt like my life, something different, changed every single day and it was interesting. But yeah. if I did like lifestyle content now, my life is very normal and stable that like it just I always say I'm like I don't I I just I'm not interesting the things I talk about are interesting. So that's why I think there's a lot of lifestyle creators that are younger cuz their life is constantly changing um as it does when you're in your early 20s. But um you know TikTok is really where I feel like we've seen older people in midlife and you know on the other apps like on instagram i felt like you had to be like an 18 year old model traveling the world to be interesting to the algorithm and it's not like that on tiktok and i would say youtube's similar to tiktok in that way too but yeah i I don't know i can't grow on (laughs) on youtube i could do well on this platform on on tiktok but but oh i had a i had a question um oh now i lost it can you believe i lost it but good. yeah, well, then we'll have to take a pause as I try to remember what I was going to say. But um, oh, yeah, no, no, I was going to say. So you are in, a, in an interesting position in that you are you share your expertise on on this, on becoming, I don't know, a creator or an influencer and all that. But you are also you also do that. So mm-hmm. like talk a little bit about, about that. Like when you post, OK, you know what you're going to say to help because this is the trend you're spotting mm-hmm. or this is who's blowing up. You want to talk. But you also have to make a video that it perfor- that where you are performing where you are yeah. you know you're not just sharing your knowledge you are you are a creator as well right it, i know it's kind of meta like yeah, now meta. we've entered the age of social media where creators are making platforms talking about being a creator um and i mean yeah i guess like for me I am really lucky that my audience likes when i talk about those things and i don't have to necessarily divulge a bunch of information about my personal life and stuff. Right. Like I think some creators um, do get into a predicament where their whole brand is built on their relationship and then maybe their relationship ends, unfortunately, and they have to rebrand. And mm-hmm. um, so I'm very lucky that my audience just likes when I talk about what's happening. And um, it's funny because when I started talking about these things, I didn't actually think that people really cared. What a crazy story is when I first started my TikTok and some of my followers found me through this is it sounds so woo woo. Um, but I actually, I did tarot. Like I, me and my friends do tarot for fun mm-hmm. and I would make a few tarot videos and they went viral. And then I realized that there's 15 year olds 
making way better tarot videos than I ever could. I'm like, these, the world's going to be okay if these 15 year olds are, they're doing their messages and it's great. And if that's what you believe in and you like that content, they've got it covered. Um, and so I told my audience, I was like, okay, you guys, I like, and I could tell the algorithm was shifting away from that. And it just wasn't exciting anymore. And, you know, I was a professional and like, it was just a hobby that I did. And I told my audience, I was like, I'm going to take a break from my TikTok and I'm going to, I think I'm going to come back to the internet. I think you guys are going to find me, but it's going to look different. And I don't know what that's going to be yet. And at the time, again, I was working at Buzzfeed. It was, I talked about these things in my nine to five and I always thought it was, I loved it, but I thought it would be boring to other people. Like the whole marketing, the trends, the algorithm. I thought that that was like, you know, having an accountant talk about math. And then I, I took a break from my account for a little bit. I would make every videos every now and then, but then one day before a meeting, I had like five minutes and I made a video that was a trend prediction. And it got like, I think 4 million views in two days. And within a week I was, uh, getting booked to go speak at ad week in New York and like all of these crazy doors opened. Yeah. And so it was funny that like, for me, I always was doing marketing And I just never thought until I made that video randomly that anyone actually cared about that. But I guess a lot of people did. And I'm very lucky that a lot of people did. And um, I have been riding the wave ever since. And I feel like as long as there's new trends and new people getting viral and new things happening online, I'll always have something new to talk about and I'll never get bored. Hey, it's Michael Jammin. If you like my content, and I know you do because you're listening to me, I will email it to you for free. Just join my watch list. Every Friday, I send out my top three videos of the week. These are for writers, actors, creative types, people like you. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm not going to spam you. And the price is free. You got no excuse. To join, go to michaeljammin.com slash watch And now back to what the hell is Michael Jammin talking about? I have rules that I, I play by. How many okay. days, how many times a day will you post and how many days a week? Because it, it can get out of hand. It can get so much where you are, you're working for the app now. Yes. it. There are days where I'll post a lot and there's days where I just won't do anything. Um, I mean, it really depends on my schedule each day. When I was first starting and just doing green screen videos with like my trend predictions and algorithm things. I would I would probably film like two or three a day. Um, but now also that TikTok rewards longer content. I don't know if you do that like minute or longer type videos. Oh, I do. It's always at least three minutes. Yeah. Yes. And are you in the creativity beta program? No, no. I want to talk about that. Okay. Well, good. Hang on to we'll that. Get, okay, good, yeah. good, good. Because um, now TikTok has the beta program, which I'm in. And when... I know that's not going to last forever, but when I got my first check from that, I was like, oh, like that's a, that's a good chunk of money. So I now, now when I do film videos, it really is my job. Like I see every time I film a video, that's like a minute or longer. I'm like, okay, that, you know, is a certain amount of money that I could make. Um, but I will say I probably on average, I'll post like three to five videos depending on my mood. Um, and then I'll usually take a day or two off and I'll film in studio or something. Um, so it really just like depends, but I think that I've, now that I've grown a little bit, I do think I do more quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. Whereas like the first 
few months where I really blew up doing this kind of thing. I was posting a lot um, because I was riding the wave. And now that I think I have credibility and, you know, a few really good videos under my belt, I can do a little bit less and people will pay attention and seek out my content now. Are you worried um, though that the, being the creator studio will limit? This is for those who don't mm-hmm. know. This is when TikTok will pay you. Mm-hmm. You post a, a video and they they pay you depending yeah. on how many views you have. Are you worried that it'll limit your views, your reach? So that's a great question because, and again, tin hat theory. I don't know, but um, for those of you guys who were on the app um, a couple of years ago, they had this thing called the Creator Fund. And I ran experiments um, on accounts at my and through creators I worked with at my old job where we would enroll into the creator fund. And let's say they were getting on average 5 million views a month Mm -hmm. and we would enroll into the creator fund and their views would drop to like a hundred thousand a month and they couldn't get a video with over 2000 views. And I, I personally think it was TikTok was capping the money because they were pulling the money out of thin air. They didn't have ads on the platform. They didn't, Mm -hmm. it's not like YouTube where, you know, it's AdSense. So it's not out of YouTube's pocket. It's like Google paid, you know, Red Bull paid to put an ad on a Mr. Beast video for 30 seconds. And, you know, YouTube's not paying that money. But um, TikTok, I think, capped people's views, in my opinion. I don't know, um, because they were realizing they had to pull this money out of thin air. The creativity fund, the beta program that is happening now, I don't know. I know some creators have had problems. Uh I feel like my videos actually perform better now that I'm in it. Um, I don't know the math behind it. I don't know if it's because TikTok is running more ads on the platform that they can afford it. Um, I will say that I think that TikTok is gearing up to lean into longer, longer content. Um, Mm. I know on their website, they've been testing podcast beta features. Like I'm nosy and I go on the TikTok website and I'll just look at little buttons and stuff because that's what I had to do for my old job. And I can see them rolling out this podcast button and then they took it down and then they'll put it back up. And, um, I think they're getting ready to roll that out. Um, so I, I don't know. I, but I do think that at least my own experience, the beta program has been great for me financially. I don't think it's going to last forever. Why do you say Um, that? Why won't it last forever? I, I, I don't know. I think that I never put any of my eggs in any financial basket as a full-time creator. Now, um, you never know. And like, also one day I could wake up and people could just find my videos not interesting anymore. Like that's always something that's in the back of my mind and I have to be okay with that. So oh, I thought you, cause I wasn't sure if they call it a beta account because they're, it is beta. They're going to change it. Like, you know, Oh, that's a good, yeah. Like, cause it's like a, cause it's called the creativity beta program. Yeah. And yeah. And I think it's like maybe only, certain creators can be a part of it or something. You have to have like 10,000 followers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, at least for me, the last, I, I think I enrolled in June and I, I think like, we're not allowed to share the exact amounts in the terms of service, but I'll just say it was more than my monthly salary at my full-time job. And I was but, like, okay, cool. But you have to, you really have to have videos that go Viral. Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a big following 
I, you never know. It's like just, a, yeah. It might be 20,000 views on a video and that might be that way for two weeks. So, you know, I don't yes. think it doesn't sound like a get rich quick scheme for me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's I always say like, it's just you never want to put all your eggs in one basket with social media. Like a platform could be gone tomorrow. You never know. It really I always say like you just always want to have that kind of like North Star, like you just want to use social media again as that like Trojan horse but always have other things in the back of your mind, which I was honestly curious about you. Like, um, I know there was the strike and stuff, but do you feel like having your TikTok? do you think it's like helped open doors for you in your career? Even like, well, I mean, originally I started it and I want to get your advice on this. I started it because my, I wrote a book and my agent said platform drives acquisition. I said, well, what does that mean? (laughs) He said, you need to have a social media following to sell it. Mm -hmm. And and especially in the field of in, in personal essays, which is you know, because if there if you like David Sedaris, yeah. it's like that. So yeah, and my goal, and which I've already done, is I've written, I've written the book. It's, it'll yeah. go on sale probably in a couple of months, and then mm-hmm. I've been performing with it. I've been touring with a little bit with it. Wow. Sell tickets. Some there's my there's my poster of me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I didn't want to. So that was the whole goal was just to write a book and then tour mm-hmm. with it in a little in a show that I do and. And so I, the reason I didn't want to get into the beta program I was like, well, let's not lose sight of what the goal is. Yeah. I don't want to do anything mm-hmm. that's going to jeopardize that. It's really about selling a book. Yeah. Uh, and then and then and then touring with it. But what advice do you have for me for, regarding that? Yeah. No. I mean, um, one, I would say for books specifically, too. I feel like um, oddly, I mean, I'm not even really on meadow or facebook like that but you know there's certain like communities um like uh i i just i had a i i had someone a relative that was that wrote a book once and it um was in their specific profession and i was like you should join facebook pages um Mm -hmm. about that profession and but of course there's certain things where you can't promote but um but no i guess like in terms of Um, promoting your book specifically. One, I think that if you are going on tour, like of course the posting clips from being on stage for whatever reason, people just love those. I feel like that's like low hanging fruit advice though. Um, I would say just, I can send you a guy's profile after this. If I, um, I'm gonna, I follow him out to find it, but he is an author and he will just like read quotes from his book and some of the, the clips go viral. Like he literally just will read um, a part of it. And um, and like maybe even I don't know if you live stream a lot like TikTok live sometimes. Um, it just the the type of audience that watches a live. It's a lot of work. So I don't think it's yeah. for everyone and it's not for all the time. Um, but the type of person who seeks out a TikTok live, they're very loyal they sometimes have like, not in a bad way, they just have a lot of time on their hands. Um, they're more likely to be early adopters of whatever the creator's doing. Um, so I, I, I know I know that's kind of all surface level advice. Um, but so you went, I guess, so you have a new book coming out? Is that what yeah. it is? Or, well, my okay. first book. Yeah. Because, you know, Your I'm a TV writer. Book. This is my first book. Okay. And so, so it's because you've been on TikTok for, I think I found you... It's probably been two years now. Okay, because yeah, I feel like I found you like a year ago. So, uh-huh. um, so it's been like I'm guessing you've just been building it up. Um, 
I mean, yeah, I wish I had like better advice. I think I'd have to know more too. Like, that's why I'm excited. Like, I'd love to read your book and then have you on my pod. Um, I just did that like with, with, yeah, it's, I love, I mean, I love reading. I've had two guests on now where I've read their book and I feel like it really helps me with questions. Um, and again, like my thing is like, you just never know what's going to go viral. You never know what's going to work. Like, I feel like it's just throwing things at the wall. I was curious if you've known anybody who's, who's done what I'm doing. And I don't know if there, I don't know if there are anyone, there is anyone, which is fine. I'm glad to be the first one. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't think of anyone. I do know that like when I was talking to Taylor, Taylor Lorenz, she's a journalist that just put out a book. Um, and yeah, she was saying that like pre-sales like weirdly count for so much money. Um, so definitely like, of course, ramping up, Um, and also I will say oddly, I feel like, cause you're a writer, you would have a cool idea around this eventually if you like slept on it, but whether it's marketing for music or shows, one of the best strategies that I've seen across the board is like, people love feeling like they're in on a secret or like something they're not supposed to know yet. Like, you know, saying something like there's this book that hasn't come out yet, but like I got my hands on it and tell me what you guys think of this quote or like people love the idea of like, like I'm not, you know, like this hasn't come out yet, but like I'm giving you a little tidbit or, you know, making it like kind of mysterious and then being like there is a link to like, you know, if you are curious about the presale, like things like that, like people love feeling like, oh, I wasn't supposed to know this or I wasn't like, this isn't out to the public yet. Um, so anytime something can feel mysterious or like you're doing Mm -hmm. them a favor by revealing something that isn't out there yet, oddly that always works across the board. Um, yeah, well, I, I mean, if for I discovered a couple of days ago, because the book hasn't even dropped yet that I was on Amazon, (laughs) I typed Michael Jammin into Amazon and Michael Jammin book came up as a search term. So people are looking for it and I I haven't even, you know, announced it yet. So that's cool. Wow. Yeah. And I, um, I know that makes me think of like SEO, like how you could lean into that, um, you know, SEO kind of thing. Um, and, and sorry, what, what is, do you have the name for your book? Are you allowed to reveal it? Yeah. It's a paper orchestra and I don't have, well, here, well, here's this, that has too much of a glare on it, but this, this is not the cover of the book. This is the cover of my show. Okay. This is the cover of my show. And it's just wow. like, you, it's a typewriter, whatever. It's me coming out yeah. of the um, <clears throat> But But yeah, so uh, it's very, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm doing this all, let's just yeah. try it. I don't really know what I'm doing, really. Well, and if it makes you feel better, even like the biggest people in the world that have entire teams around them, they don't really know what they're doing either. Like, like again, like the internet changes constantly. No yeah. one really knows. And I think that, the people that really do succeed one, it's a stroke of luck. And two, it's just like, it's just showing up until the algorithm decides to like what you're doing and knowing what your message is, but still always being able to tweak it or be flexible. Mm -hmm. If you feel like a certain delivery isn't working, like if talking straight to camera, hasn't been hitting being willing to do like a green screen or, um, you know, walking with while holding your phone because Gen Z, for some reason, loves when people are like moving while yeah. talking and it like seems, just. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I've known there are some people 
like I, there's there's two creators I follow, Celebrity Book Club, and they, these two, yes. you know them, okay? Love them, yeah. All right, so they just read memoirs yes. that people put out, and they talk about it, and that's it. And they they're able to travel and sell tickets in various cities, yeah. which I'm like, good for you. I mean, I know, you and know? yeah, and like if you think about it with them, like part of why it's so cool is they're providing so much value to the audience because not everyone is a reader mm-hmm. or like sometimes people will buy memoirs, but they won't like read them for whatever reason, they'll save it. And they're kind of like doing this spark notes thing, but like, yeah. provi- like they're just, I just love their pod. I saw they just had Julia Fox on and yeah. I like made a video on my profile where I'm like, Julia Fox, if you're ever in LA, like I'd love to have you, but um, yeah, no, they're, and I think I've, I've listened to a few episodes. I think they, for years did a couple different podcasts and finally, this is just the one that stuck. So yeah. really, it's just like consistency. Like you just never know what format's going to be the one to really like put you on the map. It's odd because I'm, you know, I will, I will start traveling with it, but I'm big in maybe four or five cities, according to my analytics. Wow. I don't much, so but funny. I'm not sure if I can sell tickets in any other city other than the right. ones that I'm big in. You know, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, um, if you like, when you do start going to shows, just for whatever reason, like TikTok just loves when people post clips from their shows. I think like part of Matt Reif's whole thing and why he made, you know, according to Forbes, 25 million through ticket sales. Um, but he would post a lot. And I mean, I think the gimmick like is sometimes overdone a little bit, but like his audience interactions, Mm -hmm. um, again, not for everyone, but I think that people started buying tickets to his shows in the hopes of being a part of his next viral TikTok, like oh. yes like it kind of broke the fourth wall and it incentivized people to go to his shows the because they wanted to be the one that was like a part of his next viral video because he had an interaction with them in the audience so i think he kind of cracked a code like or sorry he, yeah he cracked this like viral code where um, there was now an incentive for people to actually physically show up and watch him. That's so interesting. But was he doing crowd work? Was he talking to the audience or was it something else? Was it comedy that he was no, doing? No, I think it was com- like, I think he does also just post his comedy clips, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, his like crowd work, um, goes oh, so wow. viral. And I mean, again, like I do think sometimes it does get old. You can tell like so many and there, I mean, I'm not, you know, hating anyone's shit. I think it's cool, but you can, I can, I feel maybe cause it's what I do for a living. And I just study these things. I feel like I can tell when, um, comedians come up on my feed now and they're kind of trying to like recreate that. Like, mm-hmm. it's like a trend. They're trying to be trendy and recreate that success. And some, it works, some, it doesn't, but, um, but yeah, he kind of incentivized people to come to the show because then they'd be a part of his video. Interesting. And that's that's hitting on something else, which is it doesn't seem like actors, people who are, or actors who are already famous, they don't yeah. seem to do well or do or am I wrong about that? No, I, I think you're right. I actually talked with Molly about this today mm-hmm. and, and why like specifically A-list celebrities seem to kind of struggle, I think, mm-hmm. on TikTok. Um and one, I also think like, like, even though my whole thing is I give advice on how to grow on apps like TikTok, I'm like, it's not everyone needs to be on TikTok. Like, it's okay. Like, it's, it's not for everyone. I think some bigger celebrities benefit from being mysterious and not really being mm-hmm. on social media. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the ones that do try, I think sometimes there is 
this, um, this feeling of detachment where when you're so big and you have a big team around you, by the time you come up with an idea, you get it approved, you go through whatever the, you know, the label, the, this, the, that, and then you post the video, the trend is already two weeks old. Um, so the people that are really quick on their feet, um, that are a little bit more scrappy are the ones who I think thrive on apps like TikTok because TikTok just moves so quick. And I don't But that's think- the thing. I won't even, I've never once done a trend and I don't think I ever will. And you know what's so funny? I'm the same exact way. Mm-hmm. And it's funny that I talk about trends. You'll never see, like I did one at the YouTube studio, the two girl, but you'll never see me doing like trending audios. Um, and it's so funny that I talk about trends, but my belief is that really the people that thrive don't pay attention to trends at all. I always say the opposite of trendy is timeless. Mm-hmm. And if you tie yourself to a trend and that becomes your identity, when that audio or that trend isn't big in two or three weeks from now, you're done. Yeah. But like, I love creator. I think that's why experts really thrive on TikTok because they're providing so much value that they don't really have to rely on gimmicks and trends mm-hmm. to like, be relevant or even if they're not relevant, they're providing value that people are going to seek out and eventually find them. And, uh, yeah, it's so, yeah, I, I'm the same way. I don't really believe in like, do, you know, my biggest pet peeve is when I would go into consulting meetings with huge brands and they're like, you know, what, what trending audio should we lip sync to? And I'm like, like, you shouldn't think like that. Also FTC guidelines, technically you can't because of legal problems. Um, but I just think that like, I always say going viral is like it, that's like a low, that's like a goal. Like, I think it's like, it's aiming low as a goal. Like you should think of being bigger than virality. You should think of, you know, providing so much value that, that it doesn't matter whether you're focused on trends or not. Like you, you live longer than that online. You know, I'm skipping around here, Mm -hmm. but years ago, not, not even that many years Mm -hmm. ago. I was I was on a TV show. It wasn't I don't know, less than ten, maybe five, eight years ago. Um, and that <clears throat> we needed to cast a car- a role. We went for an actor, and the studio wanted us to go out to someone who had a big social media following. That's mm-hmm. who they wanted to cast. So we found this guy, this kid with a big following. We were going to pay him a lot of money per episode, and he kept on turning it down because he was making more money posting Instagram on it than he was. And that whenever that was, it was like 20,000 in an episode or something. It yeah. wasn't worth his time, you know? Yeah. I mean, yes, the, um, the, that's interesting. I, I, and it, that does make me think, um, I had a, I, I talked recently to this, um, this really big agent. Um, he manages the D'Amelios. His name is Greg Goodfried. And something he said to me was the reason that the D'Amelio signed to him when they were looking for their, you know, every agent in the game was cutthroat going for the D'Amelios. I remember this. I was filming videos with them at the time when they were coming into the office and they were, um, you know, behind the scenes, I think, figuring out who they were going to sign with. And um, what Greg said to them was, it's not about what you do. It's what it's about what you don't do. Right. And like, you're going to get so many offers, but in terms of like the show that you were saying one, I'm also guessing that if he felt like he didn't have the acting chops, I don't know if that's what it was. Mm -hmm. The money would not be worth 
how it could potentially affect his career, like long term. I don't know if he was going into acting, but right. he might have felt that like, yes, short term, it was money. Um, but long term, like if he felt like he wasn't prepared yet, if you, you know, again, if you're not like a classically tra- like acting is hard. It's no, not he was actually a pretty good actor. Maybe good? he thought yeah. that the show was going to put a stink on him. Maybe being oh. associated with the show would have hurt his Instagram. Maybe or, you know. I mean, yeah. And like, there's just so many factors. He also maybe could have just been making so much money that it was like, just not, just not like it, like he, like social media and the money on social media happens in such short spurts. Like you never know when a well is going to drive up, dry up on YouTube years ago. There was this adpocalypse where people were making $300,000 a month. And then it dropped to like, (laughs) five thousand dollars a month and all these creators were scrambling so you never know and so i think some people like when they hit a stride they don't want to get detracted from that but i also think sometimes it's good to like not always like you know worry about money and think about like the bigger picture um like i mean i just turned down a pretty big deal because i was like it just didn't make sense for me and i really had to trust that like I know the bigger picture here. And like, even if I'm making less money in the next six months that I know that like down the line, the vision will, you know, be bigger than what I would have ever made. Well, that's, that's a good segue. So my two things, do you have, are you represented by an agent? Yeah, I, I guess it's, it's like a talent manager. I, I know agents are a little different, but all right, so managers for to yes. what end, what, what, what is your larger picture as you mentioned? Yeah. You know, I, I'm flexible. I I don't always know. I always say like, I don't really want to be in the public eye for long. I think, you know, a couple years. And then, I mean, like you, I'd love to write a book. I I would love if I could write a book. And then, um, I I think long-term I'll probably be, um, what I'm doing now. And part of why I signed with the specific agent that I have now is when I was blowing up and I was getting a few offers, Um, what he said to me was, you don't even really have to do a ton of brand deals. Like, I think that you could, you know, you don't even have to gain another follower, but you could have a great career being a speaker and going Mm -hmm. to events and that's really panned out. So I think maybe doing something like that, speaking engagements. Um, I, I love my podcast. I could see that going for another five to 10 years. If I'm lucky, um, you never know, but ultimately I would love to like, just write a book and then ride off into the sunset. But I know it's not that easy. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I, I will say though, like, I don't really like being a public figure. I don't like, I, again, I say, I don't really think I'm that interesting. I think what I talk about is interesting. So I'd love to eventually pull back one day. But so is this agent or manager, is that what they do for you to get you public speaking gigs? Is that what their, their, their goal Yeah, is? they, yeah, uh, all of it. So um, it's um, the, they do speaking engagements. Like I just I went to Ad Week in New York. I went to Can Lion in France um, this summer. It was so great. And then um, brand deals. They're like a, they're my day to day manager. So they um, I meet with them and his team and um, constantly texting and emailing and um, and they also help me facilitate my consulting and stuff. Like I, I hate dealing with the conversations around money and contracts and they're the ones mm-hmm. that step in and do all of that for me. Right. And then I just show up for the meetings and give them, you know, my advice. And then I'm, that's all I have to deal with. And so why do you, what is it about, we can, this will, this will wrap it up because <laughs> this is, this is a big question though. Um, 
being in the public eye, especially on TikTok, especially mm-hmm. being making putting yourself vulnerable out there. Yeah. You know, they're haters. They're lunatics. Is it? Yeah. Is this? Is this part of the problem? I mean, sometimes, yeah. I've I've even recently just started replying to a few comments just because I want people to know that like there's a real human. Mm-hmm. Like when you tell someone to like go like off themselves, like there's an actual. I yeah. think people. It's crazy. Like I think yeah. that people see a video and it's hard for them to think that this isn't like a one dimensional cardboard cutout. Like this is a real person. Um, so yeah, I mean, sometimes it is the, you know, the, the comments, the negativity. I think that ultimately though, if you know who you are, that will shine through, you'll have mistakes and you'll have missteps and you'll have moments. Um, but if you know, kind of who you are and where you're headed, you'll always be okay. Um, but I think more so for me, it's that, um, I, I'm really a big believer that going viral online can be a type of trauma. It can Mm -hmm. open up a lot of doors, but I think that it's really like something that not a lot of people are prepared for. I think like we see it with bigger celebrities that are get famous young, like the notion that sometimes fame is a type of trauma yet everyone wants it. And, um, so I think that being visible, like no one, our human brains haven't evolved to like processing being seen by 20,000 people a day. You know, we, we were used to having the 10 people in our, you know, in our little community, um, in the middle of nowhere and it's different. So I think there's just no understanding or process yet for under like really knowing what's happening. Um, and it's traumatic and it can be scary. I mean, I love it. I think I'm good at tuning it out. I think it's so much better when you get famous or you get a viral moment when you're older. Like, I think that I'm sure for us, it's a little bit easier. I couldn't imagine being 16 and like your frontal cortex is still developing. But what Um, happened when you responded to that person said, Hey, I'm a real person. (laughs) Did you get the response that you were hoping to get? I mean, yeah, the, the best is like when they delete the comment. Cause it's just like, I, they, I think they realized, um, mm-hmm. but it's not even for, um, the person who even left the comment. Right. I more so do it too every, and not all the time. I don't, I don't like read. I, I got really good advice from a creator. Once they said, once your video has been up for an hour or two, don't read the comments because it's not really going to be like the people like, you know, you know, you're on the for you page when you get your first hate comment, but, um, the, like, I guess it's also just me kind of like sending the message to other people that are leaving me comments that like, they're like, I'm reading them and I, and I see them and I'm, I, it's just always an effort to humanize myself. Um, but it, it's, I mean, it's hard there. I feel like there's no right or wrong way. I think that the most successful people are the ones that just like, don't really care. <laughs> and I envy that about some people. Hey, yeah. just don't, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. Like it's very, it, I, even for me, it affects me. So that's why I just, I just don't even, I won't even, the problem is I won't respond. Someone left a comment once this is a year ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they left a con- they left a question and then and then someone else commented, oh, don't bother asking this guy a question. He only responds to haters. And I thought, oh, that's that's what I'm doing. I go, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So, so and he, the person was right. I was only responding. Oh, I was re- rewarding the idiots. Yeah. And so after that, I go, well, now I'm, I'm done. I'm not responding to anybody unless it's in a post. I'm not responding to anyone. Oh, yeah. I mean, I really try the first like hour to respond to like a lot of the positive comments or if people are making like, 
um, if they have good questions and, and also like if someone has like a valid critique of my video, sometimes I'm not always going to get it right. And that's okay. And I'll, you know, reply, thank you. You're right. I get that point too. So for me, I do try to like, again, I think of it as like that lecture hall where the first few people that are really reaching out and leaving thoughtful comments, it's someone who is like they're you're in the lecture and they raise their hand yeah. or they're a student who came up and they were so excited about what you were saying that they wanted to have that moment with you. And I, and I mean, I think I'm really lucky, though, in that I think my following is like really, really intelligent. I think yeah. that the people that follow me are really thoughtful and I'm very lucky that there's usually very thoughtful discussions in my comments as well. Um, but see, I struggle with that. I'm like, cause I was like, am I supposed to be accessible or not accessible? Who am I supposed to be on this? You know? And there's no, there's no yes or no answer. Some days you'll be more accessible and some days, some mm -hmm. months, whatever you'll pull back. Like, I think just really taking it like based on your mood or where you're at. I think the, the biggest misconception I see with public figures and also creators is like, um, they feel like they have to make a decision and then that's who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, I get that a lot with like authenticity and what do I reveal about myself and am I revealing too much? Am I not revealing enough? And it, I'm like, it, you don't have to make that decision in a boardroom one day, one day you're going to be more vulnerable. One day you're going to be, no one can find you. You're off the grid. But the, 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 I don't know, the common knowledge is you're supposed to respond for the algorithm. But then I was like, yeah. if I'm working for the algorithm, I'm doing this, I'm, I'm out. I find the minute I start working the algorithm, I don't want to do it anymore. And, and that is, that's a very fair game. Like I, I know I, I totally get that sentiment. Cause I know you'd said it earlier too, which is like, at what point are we just like free employees to TikTok? Yeah. Um, and I agree. And that's why I think that like the only way it really is beneficial is if you're always again, like there's just something bigger that you're striving for than TikTok, like um, feeding people to a podcast or um, and again, you don't want to always ask people to go and do something like there's a rule in marketing. It's called the 80 20 rule where 80 percent of your content should just be like adding value. And then 20 percent is asking people to go buy a book or go to your pod. But um, yeah, it's, I guess there's no right or wrong answer. I think there's something. Well, as we wrap it up, I think there's something smart that I learned. I think you said it. I'm trying to remember. Mm -hmm. but I'm pretty sure you said it. And we'll talk a little more about this. It was about, I think you, I'm sorry if it wasn't you. It was like it's you had okay. read, read some study that said part of what's the, the appeal of social media today is, um, is that people see you and it's this frequency with which they see you. And then yes. they fall in love with, they, they're, they're, are, we're programmed yes. to like who we see all the time. Yes. So there's a book called Fangasm and it was, yes. And they basically studied, um, this, like the science behind parasocial relationships, which again, that's like a buzzword that I feel like mm -hmm. people throw around, but we don't even really understand it completely yet. Um, and yeah, that's essentially what they said. And I guess we'll end on that note because it's so fascinating, but that, um, the humans, and again, I'm not a psychologist, not claiming to be just, you know, my interpretation of this book, they essentially theorized that humans were programmed to um, like bond with the faces that we see most often because that depended on our survival. So like, um, you know, back when we were in small communities hunting bears, like 
you had to make sure that you bonded with the person who caught the bear or else you weren't going to eat that week. Um, and so we do it even subconsciously, but what's happening now with the internet and media, and we saw it in the early rise of celebrities as well. Um, but that there's a disconnect happening where we see Taylor Swift's face more than we see our own boss's face or Mm -hmm. our mom's face, or sometimes even our roommate's face, whatever it is, because we're on our phones more than we're having conversations. We're seeing certain celebrities or creators faces more and more. And so we're subconsciously forming a closer and more loyal attachment to these people than we are to the ones in our own lives. And that's why like, will become very fiercely like you'll see people really defend creators or celebrities because they feel like their survival depends on this person being okay and successful and being able to go catch the bear in the woods you know um do, like, do, wait, do you go that far as to see, think that that their survival th- i mean that's a little that's a no, little much exactly and it doesn't like their survival doesn't but their brain thinks it does because uh-huh. it's like again not a psychologist but the theory was that like our brain truly is forcing bonds with the face that we see most often because we don't want to get kicked out of you know the tribe or whenever we were cavemen we don't want to be the one that like pisses off the leader and then has to be ousted so that like when we see creators and stuff online we want to leave the comment that impresses them. We want to be the person mm-hmm. that likes their stuff first. We want to be the person that like is noticed. Um, and we put those relationships subconsciously on a higher pedestal than the people in our real life sometimes. But I think one way to like, it's just being conscious of that, just learning that that's happening. And I always say to people like, be critical of everyone you follow, be critical of me. I'm going to make mistakes. Like don't put anyone on a pedestal. You never know. Um, and you know, always let yourself have like your own opinion and question everything that you see. Are you getting, you must be getting recognized out in the world now. Yeah. And you know, it's so funny. I get recognized the most by like, um, like business people, like if I'm at conferences Uh and stuff, um, or they're just the ones that are more confident to like come up to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do get recognized, um, probably a couple times a week now. What about you? I feel like you must get recognized. I, I, I don't leave my house, but when I do, <laughs> on the rare occasion that I do, yeah, I sometimes do. And I and I, I ask myself this question. It's a very strange thing. We talk about parasocial yeah. relationships. Afterwards, I'm saying to myself, did I give you what you wanted? Was I hope you wanted? Yes. Was I who you hoped I was? You know? Yes, I'm the same way. I weirdly am so afraid of disappointing someone mm-hmm. like Um, Because I've had moments like that where working on the back end of the industry before I ever had an account, I would have interactions with people and I never like had a bad, I was very lucky. I never had a bad interaction, but sometimes it just wasn't what I thought it would be. And being very like, and again, it's like, but I didn't know, like, why did I, like, I was a stranger to them, but um, yeah, I'm always conscious. Even like if I'm just ordering coffee, sometimes I feel like there's a certain look that people will give. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. like, I can't just only other creators who have experienced it, like, yep. know what I mean? I'm like, there's just a look where it's like, they might not know my name or know where they knew me from, but they just recognize me in yeah. some way. And like, I never would want to, even whether they recognize me or not, I just never would want to leave someone with a bad experience. But now I know that there's like stakes involved where yeah. I would never want someone to see my video in the future and be like, oh, like she was mean to me at mm-hmm. Starbucks one day. Like I'm always 
conscious of that. But it, yeah, yeah, and it, it forces the weird thing is it forces you to be a better person in, in public. So. And then mm-hmm. and then and that in turn makes you a better person. It may you may yeah. you've been putting it on, but mm-hmm. so what? Now you're a better person, regardless of whether you're yeah. acting or not, you're still a better person. Right. Yeah. Regardless of the intention. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it just makes you more conscious. And I think when you're aware of yourself, you do want to act better if you're always striving for better, but yeah. Yeah. It's a weird thing. And it's not like, yes. the, you know, I don't think either of us would say we're famous, but right, we are recognized somehow sometimes. Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Wow. Coco Moco. Thank you so much. This is, it's such an, I'm going to encourage everyone who, who, you know, listens to my podcast and follow me, just follow her. If your intention Mm. is to become, you know, to, to make it in Hollywood, Mm -hmm. whatever or not, but um, you're going to have to put yourself out there and it's a good starting point, social media, TikTok, Instagram, whatever, to just work on what you, what it is, put yourself out there and be willing to evolve. And, and Coco Moco, she shows, she'll, she'll just tell you what's going on and it'll just spark mm-hmm. ideas in your head and you go, Oh, maybe I'll try that. And so it, you're just a wonderful resource for people. So myself included, cause I've turned to you for help. So thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. You. I mean, and I, I just loved all your videos about just you talking about writing and then you were so informative, like during the strike and stuff. And I just like, I think you're such a great resource too. So I love your videos. Oh, uh, thank you so much. Don't yes. go anywhere. So hang on. Okay. And then I'm just going to thank everyone. Thank my audience. <laughs> thank you, the listeners. I got more great people lined up. So thank you so much for listening. Until next week, you know, keep putting yourself out there. Okay. Thanks. So now we all know what the hell Michael Jammin's talking about. If you're interested in learning more about writing, make sure you register for my free monthly webinars at michaeljammin.com slash webinar. And if you found this podcast helpful or entertaining, please share it with a friend and consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. That really, really helps. For more of this, whatever the hell this is, follow Michael Jammin on social media at Michael Jammin Writer. And you can follow Phil Hudson on social media at Phil A. Hudson. This podcast was produced by Phil Hudson. It was edited by Dallas Crane. And music was composed by Anthony Rizzo. And remember... You can have excuses or you can have a creative life, but you can't have both. See you next week.